Vulture's Good One podcast is sponsored by HBO's Crashing. Starring Pete Holmes, the new comedy series premieres on Sunday, February 19th at 10.30 p.m. Co-created by Holmes and Judd Apatow, the show draws on their experience as comedians, offering a behind-the-scenes look at the unpredictable world of stand-up comedy. Guest stars include Artie Lang, T.J. Miller, Sarah Silverman, and Hannibal Burris. Again, HBO's Crashing premieres February 19th at 10.30 p.m. Knock, knock. Who's there? Good one. Good one who? Good one. A weekly podcast about jokes and the people who tell them. Oh, come on in. That's my favorite podcast. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. That, that, that's over for now. Don't worry. Uh, I'm your host, Vulture.com senior editor, Jesse Dave Fox, and welcome to episode two of Good One. Our guest this week is Neil Brennan, whose second stand-up special, Three Mics, is currently on Netflix. As Brennan jokes, he's sort of Benjamin Button's career, starting with co-creating The Legendary Chappelle Show and then doing stand-up. And it's, you know, it's been over a decade, so we don't need to relitigate the whole fallout of Chappelle show. But just know Neil and Dave are super chill now with Neil helping Dave out when he hosted SNL. Besides developing a stand up career these last few years, Neil has also worked on Inside Amy Schumer and is currently working on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. So with that whole body of work, what joke did Neil pick to talk about? Oh, an admittedly stupid throwaway joke from Half-Baked, the movie he and Chappelle wrote together before their hit sketch series. The setup of the joke. Kenny just smoked a lot of weed and was sent by his friends to get munchies. Because of the aforementioned weed, he decides to feed the aforementioned munchies to a horse he sees outside the store. The first person you'll hear is Harlan Williams, and then Jenny Burke. As Neil pointed out in the interview, it matters for context that Harlan is white and Jenny is black. But the first thing you'll hear is a horse. But after that, no more horses. Hey, girl. You hungry? Fuck you, nigga. So I'm here with Neil Brennan, uh, the man <laughs> uh, behind that joke, though the, that was Harlan, Win- Harlan Williams in the scene. But uh, Let know. me preface this sure. whole thing by saying uh, sometimes I wrote, I wrote Half-Baked with Dave Chappelle. He and I, will, we have an agreement not to divide jokes up like from a long time ago. So... He may have written that. I, I don't. I just was like uh, that. I like that joke. I don't. Mm-hmm. I, he may have written it. I may. I don't. It's not important. Sure. It's less important. Uh, the important thing is it's. I like that joke. <laughs> so, so I don't yeah. want to be like that was because it. There's. We've also completely. We have like Rashomon with jokes yeah. sometimes where I'll be like, you wrote that. I'll be like, no, you wrote yeah, that. I'll yeah. be like, no. Yeah, I've written stuff with people and I can't remember. Yeah, because and it's possible that. You wrote the middle part of the joke, or you just changed. Yeah, it in the exactly. Back. So I think the question, my first question was, you know, you've had a you know long, very good career, mm-hmm. and you said you don't like half baked. Yeah. So what what made you think? Well, of that if joke? you think of because there are parts of half baked where you go, oh, the people who wrote this wrote Chappelle show, and then there are parts that you are not. So that, but that to me is the. The people who wrote that joke wrote Chappelle show. In 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 what way? In that it's a dumb entrance joke. It's literally just a, a misunderstanding, like sitcom joke. But a black woman calls a white guy the n-word. Yeah, that was uh, the first thing that I was like. Of course, Neil would pick <laughs> that joke because I, I and I wrote it's like I don't think anyone other than like Brian Scalabrini has been called any yeah, white guy other than yeah, has yeah, been called yeah, the n-word yeah, more yeah, than 100%. you. One hundred percent. 
do you, do you ever feel weird having jokes that he wrote have the n word in? I I uh, I don't. I mean, there are people that do yeah. about me. Like I in my last net in my uh, Comedy Central com- uh, special that was from a few years ago. I say it and I talk about it and all this stuff. And there are lots of people who who don't who take uh, umbrage. I you know it's intention. It's all the arguments intent. Uh, why you know I'm not, it's like I'm term of endearment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm being called it all the time. It's you pick up the culture you're around, all that stuff. But I'm not running around advocating white <laughs> yeah. people say it. I mean, in in the your your first special, mm-hmm. uh, white women and black dudes, you uh-huh. say that you know your friends had a meeting about yeah, when yeah, you yeah. use it, but. You know, even before that, I imagine when you're giving people jokes, you probably like yeah. that was in it. Yeah. Were you? What was your kind of relationship to it? it? It reminded me of, I think like Mel Brooks said he wanted to get Richard Pryor to help write Blazing Saddles yeah. so he can use the N word. Yeah. Or like seem like yeah. Quentin Tarantino writes yeah. himself to write the N word. Yeah. What was your relation to it as a word to put in jokes at that? Uh, point? I mean, you know, I wrote that when I was 23, so <laughs> pretty early, and. Yeah, again, growing up on hip hop, I I it just seemed like I don't know. It just seemed like again I wasn't one. There's also like another joke that I'm partially responsible for is the joke in Chappelle Show where Clayton Bigsby calls white kids the n word yeah. and then they're excited about it. That it's like it's not. It's never as simple as like you can, you can't yeah. end the discussion. It's like okay, what if what if I'm right? Okay. Hypothetically, <laughs> yeah. what if I'm writing for Dave, whatever, whoever I'm writing for? Um, so, uh, so yeah, and and Dave and you got never cared. No, it is. We've never talked about it. <laughs> Literally, we've never talked about it. We've never talked about like, hey, maybe don't like he's you know I'm an adult. He's like you know if you get your ass, well, I I don't. We've never talked about it. Never talked to Chris about it. Never talked to. I don't. I mean, I, I don't. It again. I'm not saying it. Other than hey, you should say da 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 da. That's so interesting. Interestingly, yeah. though, and Chris's movie top five, uh, there's that scene with DMX, and uh, and I was there that day. I was there for like a week working with Chris, and and I I was pitching that DMX say it. I didn't say it to DMX. So you, <laughs> I know. said it to Chris just because I don't know him. Like if I knew him, I'd you know what I mean. Like I I might have pitched it, but I wasn't. You know, I said it like you know. So I said, like to Chris, sort of maybe he should say da da da. Though you don't, you don't say it in three mics. No, no, I. Th- it's too. Uh, it's just not. It's people get too upset. It's like, and I get it. It's not. I don't want it, the special to be about that. Was there a version that you had it, and then you just felt oh, there like was a whole twenty minute hump? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I. I think I'm in terms of saying it on stage. I think I've like said my piece. Yes. Well, and, you did uh, a piece about it. Yeah. And and uh, maybe though, I mean, there's a part of me that wants to do a whole show about race, which is a whole other issue. But yeah, it's a time for the white guy to finally do a full. I know that's race. the problem. It's like, yeah, I would like to. D- it's like, yeah, it's about <laughs> time. You want to hear? It's a, I, we need to listen to what the white guy has to say <laughs> yeah. about uh, finally. But you know, on a bigger point, it, it's something that I've actually talked to Brian Tucker, who you obviously know. Yeah, uh, and for the audience, he is currently one of the head writers at SNL, and he worked at Chappelle and before yeah. Chris Rock. And, you know, what do you think it is that makes you able to write comedy about black people, about black issues, and, like, specifically be able to write for black comedic voices? 
this is a aside, but uh, me and Tucker went to the Nick game the other day, and um, we were sitting next to the rapper Jadakiss, <laughs> and I was showing, and I was supposed, I was invited Ch- Michael Che to go, he couldn't go, and then we were on the Knicks Instagram, me. <laughs> Tucker and Jadakiss and Tucker and uh, Che looked at it and goes three three uh, historic black men. <laughs> um, the uh, uh, I I think with Tucker and me it's well first of all let me just say Trevor Noah pointed this out he was talking about he it's specifically about me he's like if you don't write for black people I've got like the market cornered me yeah. and Tucker have the market cornered mm-hmm. and it's like dummies. There, why would you not try to write for black people in comedy? Like, why would yeah. you not make a concerted effort? I'd say it's like not working with gay people in fashion. It's like, dude, <laughs> they're the best. Why would you not? And then it's also, I think, with I can speak for myself. It's just an empathy level, and I, I like. I don't know. I just like. I, I like the whole. I like the whole vibe. Yeah. with black people, <laughs> and uh, black people have you know. Black people just like will seek me out at this point. And uh, whereas white people, the irony is as a result of writing for black people, white people see me as other. They're like, well, can he write for white people? Honestly, there's like this thing of like, can he write for white people? That's crazy because you also have worked with very white people. Tons of white people. and Many white people. Seth's Seth's quite white. Amy, I work with, sure. Yeah, like I've worked with some of the whitest. (laughs) Yeah, sure went to Harvard. I know. Sure got a perfect score on his SATs. What could be whiter than that? <laughs> so in, in Three Mics, you have an explanation of why you've always got along with black dudes. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if you can explain that. And also, you know, think about how that has worked for your Well, that speaks voice. to me like in the vibe. I've had a, a, a black friend of mine said, I'd say a thing about having depression in, the, uh, in, in Three Mics. And, and I say it's like wearing a weighted vest. And he said... That's why he after the show, he's like, that's why, you know, that's why black people fuck with you, because that's how it feels to be black. So there's that. And then I talk about. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I just I get along with black like I just always yeah. have since I was like a little kid. Like, I, I don't know. I It could be a matter of there's a joke in the in the thing of like, Neil, man, you don't give a fuck. And it's yeah. like, oh, because I'm clinically depressed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, and so I think I think there's like a kindred spirit thing. But I also think that trying to dissect uh, racial relationships is just, just, it's, yeah. it sounds, you just sound like a dickhead. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. It's like, why do they like me? You, you have to ask them. Jesse, yeah. do you need some numbers? Yeah, I'll just call each one of them. <laughs> I was, so I was, I was listening to when you interviewed Chris Rock on Champs, mm-hmm. and you, you were talking about Martin Lawrence and Def Jam and how, like, immediately it felt like the paradigm shift of, like, yeah. what was expected presence and performance-wise. Yeah. You know, as a person who hangs around a lot of black comedians, has that affected how you approach performing? It has in that um, I don't three mics. I'm very static in women and black dudes. I'm less static because I was a lot. I was able to be. And ironically, it's because of like I used to try. I mean, Aziz definitely just watch it. If you watch Aziz and mute and or just like a shadow of Aziz, it's it's literally Aziz is to Chris what Bill Maher is to Johnny Carson, where it's like the exact same mannerisms. So, yeah, definitely. Like and 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 I not like I'm prowling the stage. Yeah. Um, the the reason Chris prowls the stage 
as I've heard it, and I don't know if I, we said this on the champs, is that Eddie told Eddie Murphy told him a long time ago, if you don't move on stage, the audience can take their eyes off you because they know where you are. But if you move on stage, they have to pay attention. It's just like some animal instinct shit, like he might attack us. Yeah, it's interesting that you said with three mics you don't move because it felt like it actually forced you forces the audience to pay attention to you as like as a presence. Though you yeah. don't move, the set is fifteen. You're essentially like take yeah up in a box. Yeah. yeah, that's what Chris said because I was moving, and he saw it and was like, "When you go, if you're on the stand up mic and you move too close to the middle mic, it just looks sloppy." So I got special dispensation <laughs> from him to not move. Uh, no, but so 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 yeah. So that's the thing. I think the thing that where I where I'm conscious of it is uh, when I do like two people in a joke, like da 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 da, da and I'll jump around. Like that's I like. There's a specific Dave joke that I can't remember what it, he used to do that a lot, and I was like, that's a good technique. And I actually yell at Gerard Carmichael all the time. Where I'm like, hey, you know, this isn't radio. <laughs> you mentioned at the beginning partly why you liked this joke and why it, it reminded you of Chappelle's show. It's like it is a very silly joke. It's yeah. Not, you know, and I and I was thinking about like. It's ma- also a fat joke. Yeah. That's the other thing. I <laughs> yeah. But it's also like I think when people think of Chappelle's show now, they're like, oh, you know, it really said a lot about our times. And do you feel like how silly that show is, is almost underappreciated? Uh, silly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there was all, that's the thing, is, like, there was a lot of, it was more, like, kind of sexist. That's the thing I'm glad people haven't noticed. <laughs> yeah. And I think people remember, like, the the hits, which is any show. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely silly. And But, yeah, it was more just, like, there's, like, a lot of boob sketches. It's <laughs> <laughs> so when you give two 29-year-olds a show, you're going to do boob. There's going to be many boob sketches. Um what? And uh, yeah, so so there is like, yeah, there's definitely a level of like the first act of the first show, a girl's boob pops up like that's pretty like which we also went, happened to half baked. Yeah. Uh, no, you're <laughs> and the second one. It was. Yeah. The 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 Chappelle show one was just a blessing from the Lord. We wrote in the half baked one, um, <clears throat> which is really funny. Um, that's great. Um, so we have to take a, a quick break for a sponsor and then we we'll right back with Neil Brennan. All right, welcome to the second ad in which every week we're going to try to recap what happened in the most recent episode of HBO's Crashing. All right, so this is the first episode. Open on a kitchen. Pete Holmes is chopping some onions and goofing with his wife, played by Lauren Lapkus. But the goofs take a turn when Lauren asks old onion hands Pete, and I quote, to fuck her on the floor. And so then they're on the floor and they're having sex under a picture of Jesus Christ. But it's bad sex because Judd Apatow's director and he does not allow sex to be good. So after the sex, Pete goes to do an open mic and it goes slightly better than the sex but not much and that's you know that's pete's life until the next day when he walks in his wife cheating on him he's a real cuck for our times and then so then there's yelling and then lauren is like you treat me like i'm your mom and pete says like no it's like when a wife supports a husband who's in medical school and then lauren goes you're not in medical school you tell jokes for free and that my friends is the inciting incident so then pete drives back to the city and goes watch his stand-up but wait, a comedian doesn't show. And this is going to be Pete's time to shine. He's going to talk about everything on stage and will go great. 
And then it does not go great. And a comedian says, you should quit. But then after that, Artie Lang says he shouldn't quit and says, let's go get pizza. And then they get pizza and Artie convinces Pete that he should try to win his wife back. So he goes back upstate to try to do that. But then he walks in on the wife having like weird spiritual light beam sex with the person. He's like, I'm done. I'm going to be a comedian. And that should be it. Things shouldn't get any lower. Uh, But then he gets mugged and stabbed, stabbed with a knife in the leg by a mugger. And he dies. Okay, he doesn't die because this is the first episode. But in a way, there is a moment of rebirth as it as it finally convinces Artie Lang to let Pete sleep on his couch, introducing the titular crashing. What will happen next week? Will Pete do more stand up? Will he get stabbed again? There's only one way to find out. Crashing 1030 p.m. on HBO. We are back with Neil Brennan, whose new stand-up special, Three Mics, is currently on Netflix. So I, I kind of want to actually want to get back to like how this joke was written in so much as how you and you and Dave work together. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think you, you once joked that people just assumed you wrote all the structure and then Dave would yeah. come in and made it funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. like actually on a practical level, like how did you actually write, especially at this point, you know, right? He, he pitched this movie without you guys knowing and then you just started yeah. working on it. Yeah. Um, well that, I mean, the way that was, we had to, he pitched a weed movie without telling me. And then, then we had to work backward from there. And that we specific, there was a book called the writer's journey by Christopher Vogler. It's based on Joseph Campbell's classic mythic structure Mm -hmm. and the heroes, a thousand faces. And so I was like, dude, read this. He read it. And when you read it, it's really simple. It's very like, yeah. it's very clear. It's a great book. So he read it, and then we had the pitch on Monday, and we were f- f- screwing around for m- a month. And then Sunday night, or Sunday all day uh, at the Mondrian Hotel in his room, we we I brought index cards, and we laid it out. Uh, and I remember, like, when he saw the index cards, something in him, like, like mm-hmm. oh, like, he just got it. So then we laid out the structure together. And then... And then when we wrote that, we would sit in a room, I'd type, turn the turn the computer to him, he'd type, turn yeah. the computer. I mean, you just you you basically try to make the other person laugh and or improve on what they wrote. And that was similar on Chappelle Show. I had an index card that I would write premises down on and then and then uh and he and then he'd go, Hey, put that on the card. And then I then when we had to like a block we had to we would have to write sketches a block of sketches, we'd need like 10 or something. We'd just take the card out and be like, all right, let's write that, 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 that. And then we'd turn, turn. So it's, so it's not like, basically you're both sitting at a computer. Yeah, we're both co- sitting at a computer. You're not talking it out. Uh, no, we are, for sure. It's not like dead silence. Like, <laughs> shh, no, 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 on the page. Uh, no, we would definitely pitch jokes and then the specific writing of it, we would... Because we there is something there's the there's the part of hearing it out loud, but also seeing it. To, and you, yeah, you, and you also want to say like, "Hey, the joke in this area," and then you, yeah. And then, are you constantly rewriting? Were you constantly rewriting? At least because Chappelle, because you directed, were you constantly rewriting up until? Yeah, shooting? for sure. Like we would, we would rewrite. Well, no, we would no. <laughs> uh, we would never really rewrite. We would uh, do a read through, and then we'd get on set and just like go. Like that was more. And that was the challenge of doing SNL with Dave whenever that um, couple months ago was 
was the Walking Dead sketch was we did that the Chappelle show way. Me, him and Tucker wrote it. And then we got on set and improvised, although we didn't improvise that much. And that and that was on Chappelle show. We'd just go like, yeah, say, uh, say this, say this, say this. Or he'd go like, all right, I got one. Da-da-da-da. And you can see it on the there's a, on the DVD. There's you can see us kind of pitching jokes or overhear jokes or whatever. So then. I think I've heard that you guys would screen things a few times and then re-edit it. Like, yeah, we would go to Caroline's and uh, he would, and then we would. He was, it was like a trick. It was the audience would actually kind of get mad before the show was popular, <laughs> where he'd go, Dave, go, I'm doing stand up at Caroline's, sell tickets, and then he'd be like, uh, he'd do ten minutes, and be like, you guys want to watch some videos? <laughs> um, and but you could get a sense of how how they would play there, and yeah, and then we would shave them down from there. So you you mentioned SNL. So you you did the the Walking Dead one, which was in the style of a Chappelle show sketch, mm-hmm. pre-taped, and then you also uh, wrote the Morning After, mm-hmm. uh, not the, the, the election, election night, night yeah. one. So what is on like a practical level? They they're different feeling sketches. Yeah, you know what is the difference of a SNL? Well, sketch? the the thing with you can't. It's the thing that like uh, when we first started Chappelle show. They thought like they thought the blind white supremacist was too long. They were like, you know, we don't want to be like SNL where these sketches are too long. And it yeah. was like the difference between these sketches and those sketches is when you're shooting a pre-tape short film type, you you can go from location to location. Yeah. The thing with the SNL election night thing, it's in a room. We did do the time elapse thing where we would just cut to an exterior, change the time, cut to, and then so we could do time jumps, but. It is basically you're doing a sketch where it's just dialogue, <laughs> and it's, it's like just very like da 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 ha ha ha. Uh, I heard it's and then if you want somebody else in the sketch, ding dong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and that was the thing. I I uh, you know I'm a huge fan of Saturday Night Live, and and so I always wondered, could I write a multicam sketch? And um and and Turns out you can. yeah, I was yeah, I was like, oh, okay, good. I I thought I might be able to, but you don't. You insecurity is a is a is a mo is a mofo. Yeah. So uh, it was uh, it was heartening to realize like, okay, this it's not so different. Did you go through like the same pitch like a normal like a regular writer on that show? Does? I didn't. I was there for the pitch, but I stood outside and let them all pitch. And then, did you have other ideas that you tried and then only? Like, did you go, did, you know, two got on the air. Yeah. I think I heard that you wrote a Rick James thing. Yeah. That didn't, but did you have like a few things that went to a table read? No, Rick James was a table. The election, it was a table and Walking Dead. We'd already, I think we already, we, we didn't table it. And no, so I was like a writer in a, I mean, like I, but the cool thing was like, I, you know, was in the sketch pick. I was like, Lorne really trusted me that week for like he let me kind of pick a sketch on the air. Like it was really cool as a fan of the show. It was like, <laughs> yeah. it was great. It was like, okay, great. Like it was like, all right, this is like, you know, life can be really amazing sometimes in that way. I have very little appreciation for it, <laughs> but uh, no, but I mean, I, I don't know if I've, if you've ever heard the story when I was like uh, eight or something, when Eddie Murphy was on Saturday Night Live, I would watch it. I would stay up and watch it. And then my parents would pull in the driveway and I'd hear them and I would run. I'd have to run up like two flights of stairs and hide mm-hmm. in bed. And then finally I said to my mom, I was like, hey, can you let me watch Saturday Night Live? It's important. And it was like, 
what? Like, <laughs> even as I said it yeah. as a kid, I was like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. Uh, so to be able to work on the show in, like, a meaningful way was really cool. I mean, and both things were, like, hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was great, too. I and mean, and the election night, like, wasn't even that good. It's like Chris <laughs> fucked a line of... And uh, and Dave screwed a lineup like it could have. It wasn't. It certainly wasn't flawless, but it was a good idea. But I think that's part of doing an SNL sketch is that it isn't perfect, but still hits. Yeah, that's the fun of it. Yeah. That's like the fun live part. Where you're like, oh yeah, they must have only read that line maybe once before, or they changed it like mid. Yeah. Taping. Yes, for sure. Uh, yeah. Chris added a couple jokes. Yeah, that's the thing. It was like. Dude, you can't screw up your own joke. You can't force us to write this joke and then you screw it up. Um, I wanted to back up just a little bit in terms of, you know, Dave, the, the movie was pitched through, it was Dave pitched the movie. Um, All he said was, we're read, writing read, a weed movie. movie. So, at, you know, at that point, and, and maybe this changed, but, you know, did you feel like your job was partly in service of Dave, partly because Dave was in the movie? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's the, that's the, as a partner, there, there have been times where I wondered, like, should it have been more, I mean, the movie is Dave centric, but it's an ensemble at the same time. It's, I wonder, like, could it have just been more like singular? Uh, But there's also that thing of like, you need other people to sort of break the door down with you. And he wasn't, he'd just been a nutty professor at that point. But, and I don't know what the movie would have been if, as a singular movie, but yeah, like there, the I that it's always my first priority. I mean, priority is like him and yeah, like I don't, and that's the thing. Like when I, I I'm very like dar. Whoever's saying the joke is my yeah. biggest. It's like Seth said Myers from Running Saturday Night Live. If a host doesn't want to do it, don't don't then yeah. don't, you can't force them. And that's the thing with if I'm writing jokes for somebody and they don't want to do them. I'm not gonna be like, you know, you're wrong about it. it's like, dude, if they don't if they don't believe it, it's I do stand up like I don't want to do a joke that I don't trust. So and I'm grateful. Yeah. I'm grateful for the literally I texted Dave two days ago or yesterday or something, because because I'm getting a lot of praise for three mics, I texted him, thank you for believing in me literally twenty five years ago. <laughs> like literally twenty five years yeah. ago. And and he was like, you were always funny. He wrote, like, he was all caps, always. I wrote literally 25 years ago, all caps, and he wrote always in caps. So I'm grateful to him, and it's like I want to, I want the show to be good. Yeah. I want him to, I want him to do well. And then there's, and then the, it's like, it's tandem worries, which is like him and then the sketch being, like on the Walking Dead thing, there was, the ending was Tyrone gets his head knocked off. And I was like, I don't. And then it rolls around and I was like, you know, I kept saying, like, I don't think that's good. Like, we need a coda. Like, we definitely need a coda. And it was a little tense between us. I was like, dude, I'm telling you, it's you, that's not a good enough ending. And then he, I don't know, he had a line that, like, I was like, that we could do a whole sort of speech based around that. And because it was a little tense between us, I told Tucker <laughs> to write it and then he wrote it and i was like tucker has a great ending yeah yeah uh so so but it all worked out and it's not even that funny in ending it's just like an rounder was it different then i mean now it's been almost 10 years yeah i guess it's been over 10 years since you first started working on Chappelle show together was 
that conflict the same conflict or is it? Yeah. Not? I mean, a lot of our a lot of sketches came from arguments and a lot of sketches came from it's like I I'm like a uh, I was thinking the other day, like they're in some ways it's like I'll put the straight jacket on him. And then he'll like, blah, like, I'll be like, what are you talking about? I'll be like the counter argument. The best one, best example, and this is both of our favorite sketches now, is that this uh, sketch we did on Chappelle's show, which was jury selection, where he's on all these juries. Because I read the, there was a Vanity Fair Michael Jackson article. Mm -hmm. This is in 04. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, well, here you go. Fucking case closed. Like, it's all here. And then we argued, we were just arguing and I was like, you don't think any black, like how to, it's this shadow of a shadow of a doubt thing for black people is so huge that you can't convict anyone. So that became, and I was like, all right, this, we got to do this. And then it became that sketch. It was awesome. So, um, you know, in, in three mics, you referred to yourself as sort of the Scotty Pippen to his Michael Jordan. Yes. And it seems like you kind of articulate what that looks like in the day to day, but you know, I, I was thinking about Jordan retired the second time, and then, like, uh, Pippen was now the guy. Yeah. And it was, like, a weird thing to see him, like— He was the guy the first time. And he the, was—but having said that, if you look at his numbers, they were good-ass yeah. numbers. The Bulls weren't champs, but they were really good numbers. And, but you remember, was it Tony Kukoc took that yeah, shot? Yeah, exactly, where, where Pippen wouldn't go in. Yeah. So, continuing that, you know, what was it like— The meta—continuing yeah, the, metaphor. the metaphor. So, what was it like your— Who's seat? Steve Kerr? <laughs> uh, I guess uh, Brian Tucker would be so what was it like, what did, you know, what was the growing process as becoming the guy, you know, writing for your own voice? Fully? Uh, figuring out, it wasn't so much figuring out my voice comedically, because I was always pretty clear. Like I did stand up once in 97. And then, so my voice was fairly clear. It was more about performing mm-hmm. and being a good, a watchable performer. I mean, yeah. that's the biggest thing. And like like took a voice class like just did like like started from scratch like i remember somebody told me like dane cook used to do like stretching and i was like yeah that's not nothing like yeah there's something you can't i'm i'm not one of these like i ah, just go up there and i'm not magnetic like yeah. dave chris these even chris has to be is very premeditated but like dave's just like you know like you watch that snl monologue me and rock were watching it and rock the whole time's going like don't look down don't look down don't stop looking down and it's like he it's his habits. It's like Chris is worried about looking. If Chris looks down, it's like it's it's uh death. If yeah. Dave looks down, it's like Dave's whole thing is like public melancholy. Yeah, or yeah. that's a big part of it. Um like he's thinking it. Like if you yeah. look down, it looks like thinking yeah. Chris Rock. You know, like I saw Chris Rock work working out stuff uh-huh. recently. He did an hour and ten minutes of working out stuff. Yeah. And now that you point out that he looking down is what he doesn't want to do, because he you know, Chris Rock at least famously doesn't want to kill when he's working out something. Yeah. He like would look down, he'd be very like he a joke would work and he'd like look down as if he and really kill all momentum yeah. to it. But where Dave, it's like, you know, I've seen Dave talk for an hour and a half smoking a cigarette on top of the yeah. piano, the comedy cellar. It is like, oh, he's just kind of working through the yeah. thing. Uh and even if he's not, that's kind of his gift. The his Dave's gift is that last two minute thing from the SNL monologue. Think yeah. about Frederick Douglass sitting in the White House, and we're never going to have an end in the White House. And then you're just like, I don't even. He didn't even. I don't even agree with what he said. Yeah, like I don't. <laughs> it was leading to giving Trump a chance. Beautifully said. Completely disagree with what he said. So with me, it was more a matter of like, what am I good at? And then, honestly, the the three part of the the origin of three mics is like, you know, there's a 
there are people that watch me who think that I'm I come across as like a smug dickhead. Yeah. So not pointing any fingers, but you <laughs> and uh I was like, how can I mitigate that? Yeah. That's part of the the origin of it. It's like, how can I mitigate it? And it's like what well here's what I'm actually like, if you want to know. The rest of it's basically a smokescreen. Here's what I'm actually like. So and then when you tell people what you're actually like, they're like, oh, now I like you. Now mm-hmm. I like, now like, from what I can tell on Twitter, people are like, uh, like someone wrote, like, now I just want to see you win. I'm like, great, because you wanted Kevin Hart to win just automatically. Yeah. Dave, yeah. you want to see win just when he, <laughs> when you see him walk. Uh, but me, it's like you need like a, you need a backstory. So it becomes like, it's a bit of like an origin story thing. Yeah. Like here, here's who I am. Here's where I came from. Here's how I came to this place of performing and why and hiding and all that stuff so my dad didn't love me <laughs> yeah it's like oh i get it now. okay do you think it'll be now easier it's almost like it's like anything why origin stories exist is that everything afterwards well be- yeah because i think people will see me in that context yeah. i think i mean i would assume that's what it'll be i don't now my worry is uh is that uh i'm gonna do shows and people are gonna go like i saw neil wasn't that sad yeah. Um. Like I want to, you know, I want it to be like, yeah, hopefully it'll be easier. It's now it's a matter of how do I, I'm all out of sad stories, guys. So I don't know what I'm going to do on the next one. Well, you can wait like another. <laughs> no, I, that's the other thing is like the idea that I'm waiting for someone to go like, you got to go out on the road and capitalize. I'm like, no, I'm not going like I don't I'm never going to do my career right. Yeah. I've made my peace with that. It's like I'm never going to do I'm never going to like I'm gonna, I got deals all over town and. <laughs> I also realized I don't like working that much. Like I like I like being like I'll do like I'm helping Aziz and SNL this week, and then next week I'm I think I might work with Trevor on the Daily Show. Then I'll go back to LA and sit around and play video game for a week. And like I, will you like do you not like having a job or do you just, like you like writing? I comedy? like I like writing comedy. I don't like uh, being in a place. Uh, of being judged, if that makes sense. Like yeah. I'll like, yeah, you want to do it? Cool. It's like Schumer said when I directed her show. She her her impression of me pitching a joke is like, hey, you want to do this joke? And she go, no. And I go, all right, <laughs> great. Like yeah, cool. Like I don't need you to do this. Uh, yeah, show. I'll throw it. I'll I'll throw it out. Uh, uh, yeah. Like I. So I like I like low stress situations. Like the way me and Dave used to pitch jokes to each other wasn't yeah. like I have a joke. It was like, hey, here's a bad idea, and that takes the pressure off the other person. Like. I don't want to be, I don't want to spend my life stressed. I don't think it's interesting. I don't, I don't, I, I less, I subscribe less and less to the idea of like, you got to work hard. And all yeah. this. I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> you know, like Gary Shandling is mud. Literally he is mud now. And it's like, I wonder if he likes the way he spent his time. I yeah. bet he liked the basketball games yeah. at his house. I bet he liked, you know, I know he was very proud of Larry Sanders. Like, I wonder if he feels like it took time off his life you know what i mean like because i know about the stress of doing a show and it's like it's it definitely takes years off your life although also, don hewitt lived to be like 95 so I but it's know. also like and lauren looks you know yeah. it looks great but also i think it i mean to each their own but uh what gary i guess proved you like he had a thing that you could be like oh that's a masterpiece mm-hmm. and then he wasn't like now i need to chase masterpiece yeah exactly he's like well yeah. i had it yeah and yeah like i'll i feel like i mean you know rock was using it as like Dr. Dre's Compton album was like, see if you can wait as long as you want. And, da, da, da. and meanwhile, the album didn't really have any impact. He said <laughs> yeah. that like the day it came out. Yeah, I'm like not 
I the cool thing about three mics is like I don't do that much stuff, but when I do, hopefully it'll be yeah. it'll be good. You know what I mean? Like if I make and I that's how I feel now with all these shows. It's like I don't watch these. I can't. I don't yeah. have time. I literally do not have time. It's like I almost feel like I'm doing the audience a favor. Just like I just need an hour of your time <laughs> every couple of years. Yeah. I don't need you to binge yeah. on me. I don't need you to do anything crazy. Just every once in a while, yeah. if I have a good idea. You don't uh, have to keep track of uh, what yeah, I'm doing. You know, I'll tweet about it. I'll yeah. do press. You can you can keep your eye. Like, every once in a while, I'll do something. And uh, and then if it's good, you know, I'll I'll bug you about it. Yeah. But hopefully it won't get to that point. That's what that's the thing I like about Three Mics is like, is uh, is I have another thing that people can bring up in interviews. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Instead and of just like, so Chabelle show, the, you know, like it's like, oh, you can also you did it. You've done more than one good thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that sound means where it's time for the final segment, which is called the laughing round. Mm-hmm. It's like a lightning round. I like it. Because comedy. I get it. Because <laughs> it's a, a laughing round. Mm-hmm. What's the funniest number? Uh, I don't know. I know one's the loneliest number, right. but I don't know what the funniest well, number is. Well, loneliness is funny in its yeah. way. Uh, Three mics, everybody. <laughs> you have, uh, you've given a lot of comedians tags and jokes. You've helped people out at award shows. Can you mm-hmm. say your favorite joke you've given to someone else? Um, What did I... I wrote a joke for Seth Rogen at the roast of um, James Franco, Mm -hmm. the one about Aziz texting. Aziz Ansari is here. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. This is actually the longest Aziz has ever heard me talk without checking to see if someone more famous has texted him. (laughs) (laughs) That was, uh, that was pretty great. Uh, because yeah. I'm friends with Aziz. No, it was like a real, like, it was, yeah. I remember I heard that joke, like, that's like, a, someone knows Aziz. <laughs> it was like barely a joke. That's I don't like think a, Aziz knows I wrote it either. Well, now, well, yeah. Aziz, if you're listening, yeah. you're welcome for unveiling that. So, uh, last one. Do you have any idea or a sketch or a bit that you always think is funny but never gets laughed, but you'll, like, go to your grave thinking it's funny? Um, It was a there was this. I uh, this is the one that comes to mind. Sure, um, is that we did a sketch. It was a date. It was called the Holler Dating Service, where you would type in what you wanted, and then a old black dude would holler at her <laughs> for you. And uh, and if you and it was just it was basically catcalling. That's like the rampant sexism that no yeah. one notices. Uh, it was catcalling, and we ended up not using it, but we did it on the garbage show as a cut cl- as a mm-hmm. clip where the guy goes like, "Let me holler at you, let 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 me holler." And that, like, "Let me holler at you" is like that to me is like the funniest, the funny, like that dude and that rhythm and that like noise and the bing bong and like the best. Well, that's it for this week's show. Neil Brennan's new stand-up special, Three Mics, is available on Netflix. He's also currently a producer and writer on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. You can follow him on Twitter, at Neil Brennan. Good One is sponsored by HBO's Crashing. Jordan Bell is our producer. Justin D. Wright did our theme song. Please subscribe to the show and write a review on iTunes. I'm Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. Thanks for listening. Listening.